Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I.co. Hey guys, we have an exciting episode today. We are going to talk about uh, one of Noel's favorite topics, and that is positive psychology. Noel, I'm excited. Yes. I I actually can I just say um, I wasn't familiar with positive psychology. I also I think I judged it, and especially coming from the therapy world. But um, after working with you and just being around it and seeing how you apply it to your life, I am totally sold. It's incredible stuff. The science is new, it's complex, it's diverse. And I think, you know, one of the biggest myths out there is that, oh, positive psychology, it's all about happiness. It's only for folks who are wealthy or have the luxury of thinking about positivity or happiness. And that is fundamentally not true. When did, um, when did positive psychology emerge? Because it didn't get popular until the last, what, decade? I'd say the last two decades in the 90s was really when it came into fruition in an empirical context. And so when I say empirical, I mean really studied in academia, quantified. Um, Martin Seligman is largely heralded as the godfather of applied positive psychology, but a lot of the tenets of positive psychology are truly ancient. It draws from mindfulness, it draws from a lot of Eastern philosophies. So, you know, when we're talking about the art and science of happiness, you could really go back to, you know, Rumi's poetry and say, wow, this has been going on since the dawn of civilization. You know what I think happened is I think because of today, um, where uh you know the east and buddhism and mindfulness and a lot of that stuff uh has come full circle and is now popular and commercial it leaves you know it 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 creates uh, uh open hands for something like positive psychology and i think um you know even like 10 years ago or you know before coaching was was a thing people probably saw positive psychology as kind of um not legit maybe yeah, and think about the emergence of wellness as a movement globally. That's really gone hand in hand with folks stopping, paying attention and saying, wait a second, I'm miserable. Yeah. <laughs> how, how can I fix this? There is a famous story that uh, Martin Seligman, who used to be the head of the American Psychological Association, stood up. Mm -hmm in the middle of an APA caucus, gathering, meeting, whatever, conference, and said to the room, we are doing humanity a disservice as therapists by only focusing mm -hmm. on that which is wrong, that which is bad, that which is right. maladaptive. And we have never studied the entire other facet of human existence, which is that which is good, that which is life-giving, that which creates sustained flourishing. Yeah, and I love that. I love that because it's true. I mean, you know, when you're studying um, to be a, a therapist, um, we do focus a lot on treating uh, the dark, you know, the depression, um, the stuff in the past and all of that. And so uh, now 
and, and maybe that's why for me it, it's it's kind of you know brushing with my left brushing my teeth with my left hand it's like I haven't used these muscles before and then in school I wasn't really really taught because I come from the clinical world um, so maybe that was my resistance in the beginning but uh, yeah I, I think it's I think it's really fascinating and and the science behind it is what makes it for me uh, convincing and, and excited about it it's wonderful stuff. And, you know, of course, at the time, Martin Seligman was completely booed out of the room at the American Psychological Association. So he said fine. And he went back to the University of Pennsylvania, where he's tenured, and he started to, to do research in the work of applied positive psychology. And his early work, especially with Chris Peterson, really informed the field in a very dynamic way. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's... um dive deep what uh what exactly is positive psychology and and then how can we start applying this to our lives and also how can we use it to coach other people yeah so applied positive psychology is the science of happiness and it's exactly as we described earlier taking a look at the world and instead of saying what's wrong with it and what's wrong with you you're taking a look at the world and saying what's right with the world what's right with the person in front of me and Beyond that, how can we create scenarios, both um, physical, mental, emotional, environmental, and social, to help any and all humans move further down the path of flourishing towards an, a, a state of authentic happiness? Right. So it's a, would you say it's a practice? It's a daily practice, no? Or is it, is it it's a mindset? And when you say scenarios, are you saying creating um, actual uh, real-life situations? Well, what do you mean by scenarios? It, it's, it's kind of all of the above, you know? So you know, a great example is in you know, therapy land, understanding schemas and the role of family dynamics will help you to understand how to treat someone. And you know, looking at applied positive psychology, a foundational concept is understanding the role of emotions and how we can induce positive emotions and how that has the capacity to change your brain chemistry. Right. So let's talk about the legs of positive psychology. What are the major, you know, what, what are the, 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 the major food groups? You know, I think first and foremost, we need to understand the role of emotions because that's a really big deal. We live in our heads, right? And the role of emotions is just one sliver of the world of applied positive psychology, but I think it's a really important one. And the work that I love the most in this area comes from Barbara Fredrickson. And so when you induce positive emotions, so conjure a positive emotion, that's gratitude, that's feelings of love, that's um, uh, feelings of expectation, hope for the future, that gets your endocrine system pumping and that naturally gives you a boost of oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine. And one of the things that really knocked my socks off is that just like vegetables and nutrients that we put into our bodies, each positive emotion has its own set of nutritional punches in terms of the chemicals or the hormones that we get. So 
as you go through the full gamut of inducing positive emotions on a day in and day out basis, it's basically like nutrients and vegetables and vitamins for your brain. And when you consistently engage in it, you have the capacity to change your brain chemistry from pessimist to optimist. I also love, um, it's a very simple saying, but you know, whatever you feed grows. And if you're just feeding negativity, that's going to grow. And if you make the effort to feed the positive, if you're able to practice gratitude, then that's going to grow. Yes. And your your language choice is so spot on. Fredrickson has a theory to explain the role of positive emotions, and it's called broaden and build. And this is my favorite theory in the entire world to work with. So when I'm talking about positive emotions and feeding your body, growing your emotional outlook, positive emotions broaden your thought and action skill sets, really specifically the behavior that we use regularly. And when you open up to positive emotions, your minds um, come to a place where you're able to think outside of the box. This is one of the reasons why coaches use applied positive psychology so much because inducing positive emotions allows your clients to open, expand their view, expand their skill set behaviorally and mentally, and you get a bird's eye view of your situation, becoming more creative, becoming more open, more verbal, so on and so forth. And it doesn't stop there. Positive emotions um, also impact your physical body. So when you induce positive emotions, you're actually going to improve your cardiovascular health and you're going to improve your coordination. So this is called undoing? So the the undoing perspective um, in the cardiovascular realm happens um, when you repair stress. So cortisol, stress hormones, wear and tear of everyday life um, causes damage to your heart. And the undoing is when you literally induce positive emotions so that it will repair the cardiovascular effects of negativity. This idea of feeding the positive and just that alone repairing your body is it almost sounds too good to be true like almost too easy to be true <laughs> you know i was i was talking to somebody um that we're probably going to work with over at the harvard innovation labs business accelerator and he asked me point blank you know why he should listen to me and why we sh he should move these concepts into management proposals for centering well-being for employees. And I said, well, you know, at a fundamental level, it repairs cardiovascular damage from stress. People will have less heart attacks, like straight up. And, you know, he said, that's a good enough answer for me. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I thinking back like uh, at someone like my father who, um, worked a lot, had a lot of stress, and only saw the negative or the, um, you know, the debt or, you know, always kind of lived in that panic state. Um, and, and, you know, of course, had a lot of health problems. I wonder how much of that could have been like, I, I wonder how much of his health could have changed if his mindset, if he practiced positive psychology, if he fed the positive, if his state was more elevated instead of, you know, lower. 
So much of it, so much of it. And, you know, the intergenerational perspective is so fascinating. My dad is still around and I love him so much, but he and I have very different outlooks on happiness. He and I both live with depression and I've talked to him about this, you know, quite a bit. And he no-knows me and poo-poos it and he lives with, um, the way he describes living with depression is literally, he says, it's like running at the wall. And I just get up and do it every day. Yeah. <sighs> it's like white, white, white knuckling life. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and, I've, and I've been there. It's so hard. And, and I've been there too. And then, you know, and when I discovered this way of being really out of desperation because I was in a really unhealthy marriage. I was becoming very overweight and unhealthy. I was really depressed. I needed to change my life. And this is what I discovered when I started searching. And that's kind of what put me on the path that, that I'm on today. Negativity is a virus. It is a virus. It really is. And, you know, sometimes um, um, viruses are dormant. And then they come back out and I feel like it's something to get rid of the virus. It's, you know, it does, it's not a weekend. It's, it's something that you really have to work at. I, I think you have to pedal that bike for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. Well, from, you know, a coaching perspective, we can, we can slice and dice this a couple different ways, but what I always ask folks is, you know, oh wow, that's a, you know, that's a really gnarly feeling. Is that a feeling or is that a fact? Is that negativity something that you know to be true and can put facts to, or is that just a feeling that's either in the past or the future that you're kind of sitting with? Um, let's let's talk about the power of individual strengths because this is a, a big component of positive psychology, correct? Yeah, it is. It is a big component of positive psychology. Um, but before we get to that, I want to stay on the social aspect of inducing positive emotions because when when you asked about your dad. It, it really, there, there are three tiers to the positivity versus negativity. So we know that you increase your problem-solving capacity with positive emotions. You undo negative stress, but you also increase your capacity to maintain relationships and create new ones. So if we're thinking about life, and what sustains us, having durable social resources, people that you can depend on, people that you can engage with, people that you feel loved and supported by. If there was to be a number one game changer in life that I would wish for all humans, it would be connection to others in a meaningful way. You know what's interesting is as you're saying that, I, I was you know, uh, really quickly kind of playing back my life. And I got to say, you know, five years ago, I would have, or maybe seven years ago, I would have disagreed with you. And I would have been like, well, what, what's the point? You know, why do you need friends? You, you could do this on your own and all that. And uh, it wasn't until uh, maybe the last three years that I really felt in my bones the value of human connection. And I'm not just talking about, you know, obviously, and you're not either about just intimate uh, human connection. You're talking about being uh, having a tribe, having social engagement, having friends, like all of that, right? All of it and a partner community. and and a family community. You know, the relationships themselves, how you define them doesn't really matter. What matters is, you know, do you feel supported? Is there someone that you can call in the middle of the night if you need help? 
Um, things like that reduce your stress response in really profound ways. You have less fear of scarcity. You have less fear of the future. You have less resentment and regret towards the past. So the broaden and build theory really posits that when you induce positive emotions, your whole life gets better. People want to be around you more. And when you're less scared, you expand your evolutionary capacity to be successful. Yes, and let me just insert that today um, there's this weird split happening where because of the internet and, and social media, um, on, on one side we are isolating ourselves uh, in a way because we're you know connecting with people through our phones and, and, and not necessarily in person. Uh, but at the same time, I think the internet also connects us so we can actually have access to tribes and groups and communities. Um, so it, it's an interesting time, but I, I think that uh, there are there are more tools today to connect than than there there was ever before. Absolutely, and you know, I just encourage everybody follow it through in person. Online connection is awesome and wonderful. Even if you make an online connection and follow it through to something simple like a phone call, keep going, go deeper, chase the connection. Yeah. One of the things that changed my life was uh, community fitness, and that's that's one way to um, surround yourself with people. Uh, if you're an introvert, it's a, it's one way to get yourself in front of people where, where you know you use a community to um, socially engage, uh, and you're you're tying that to an activity. So that's an easy way to do it. Yeah, I love that idea. I love that idea. Now let's talk about individual strengths because this is a, a great lead-in. So. Strengths are different than talents. If you're talented at something, you're a great runner. Hey, that's awesome. Um, strengths, character strengths, are actually a deeper cut of existence. They're things like kindness, generosity, hope, open-mindedness, and they give us clues on how we can live from the inside out versus the outside in. Mm -hmm. Is this also tied to you think um, someone liking themselves, like, like one's relationship with self? It's an actually understanding your strengths, understanding, you know, how what your relationship is to kindness, generosity, hope, open mindedness and things like that is a really fantastic way to start the process of liking yourself. Right. If Absolutely. you don't know where to go. Yeah. Yeah, so character strengths um, are a concept that was um, formed by Chris Peterson and Martin Seligman. And they basically, there are 24 character strengths, and they represent the full spectrum of human goodness. Just like the DSM in therapy land represents the full spectrum of human badness, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> character strikes represents the full spectrum of human goodness so human pain human pain yeah so so this is literally the other side of the coin coin this is your capacity to do good for yourself and for others i i, I love that um because you know we we live in a world where um liking ourselves sometimes is tied to our ability what we've built you know how much money we have where we live and when you said inside out instead of outside in, uh, things like wisdom, knowledge, courage, love, justice—these are things that are that are inside self, not not outside. And I love um, the idea of 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 these building the the these being the building blocks of your relationship with self instead of the external. 
Yeah, the the building blocks of your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, um, your relationship with the world, your purpose, your occupation. I can't tell you how many adults I speak to and I ask them what they truly enjoy doing with their time and nobody has an answer. Yeah, why do you think that is? Um social media and <laughs> breakdown of society. Yeah, also not I think not knowing themselves and also um not getting really honest with with yourself and what you like and then putting action behind those things. So just kind of like going down the river with everyone else. Yeah, and being out of touch with your body, you know, yeah, like sure. like like uh, when was the last time you sat and just really watched a sunset? 1984. Right. And it, and <laughs> and and inhabited your body in that moment and really took in the colors and sat there and determined whether or not you enjoy watching sunsets. Yeah, it, it it's it's really something you have to put effort in or it just doesn't happen. Or it just doesn't happen. And a lot of times, you know, even with things that are um, like fitness hobbies or, you know, things that folks do, a lot of times they're for, perform per for performance and for external goals, not for the love of the activity itself. So would you say um, part of positive psychology is the practice of um, the here and now being present? Uh, like, for example, taking in at sunset? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's, uh, there are three pillars that create happiness. And I think it's a pretty nice sequence. So it's um, achievement, which is physical and mental. It is contentment, which is exactly what we're talking about being in touch with yourself, what you enjoy, what you want to do with your time. And then the third piece is hedonic, which is fun, pleasure, enjoyment, senses. Um, and you need all three in equal measures. If you're out of balance in one of the arenas, you're going to be out of balance in your life and out of balance in terms of chasing happiness. I just chase hedonic, which is why my life is lopsided. The That's sugar. not true. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So are we going to talk about uh, how to cultivate um, work in a future vision or do you want to yeah. talk more about – Okay. Individual I think, strength. I, I mean, I think that the future vision is a really nice place to close because if we're if we're kind of pulling this together and and again, you know, guys, this is this is like less than three pages of the cliff notes on all of the knowledge of positive psychology out there. This is just these are just three areas that I happen to think are really cool. Um, so if we're saying, OK, induce positive emotions, get your brain and your body into positivity, that will um inform your creativity, it'll make your personal relationships better, and it'll repair damage from stress. And then we're saying, okay, lean really into it and get inside of yourself to understand your strengths, who you are, your capacity for goodness, what you're capable of putting out into the world to help other people do it. And then future visioning, coming up with a positive vision for the future is an incredibly powerful applied positive intervention. And I think it's really important to do this time of year, especially as we're, you know, moving into a new decade. Yeah, I, I love that we're ending with this because it just with 2020 coming up and, uh, you know, what you see for yourself in the new year, this fits right in. 
Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the science around future visioning explains why manifesting works. It explains why um, vision boards work. It's basically comes from sports psychology, which is the science of priming. And priming is a phenomenon where exposure to certain stimulus, such as a word or an image, influences how you respond in real time in your brain. So if you see a picture on a vision board repeatedly day after day after day after day, your brain and body is more likely to follow through with achieving that action set. Yeah, and, and I think it's um, also um, you're injecting that, you're soaking your subconscious with that, and you're getting obsessed with that without without almost even knowing it. <laughs> yes. Have you ever used a vision board? Um, so I visualize a lot. I I, I really, you know, I, I I've always been the kid uh, in fourth grade looking outside the classroom window and just just daydreaming uh, instead of paying attention. And even today, uh, I, I would say I spend maybe 30 minutes a day, uh, whether I'm laying down or sitting up, really visualizing um, the next year of my life and what I want for myself. Um, but I also uh, drop into the feeling that I want more so than the actual event. And I think that if we hold on too tightly to the actual event, because um, just because we visualize something, um, it doesn't mean that it's going to exactly happen the way that we visualize, but you may realize a version of that happened. You know, the feeling is the feeling of it came true. The feeling of it came true. That's awesome. Yeah, so after you get done that exercise, and that's a really beautiful exercise, by the way. So thank you for modeling that um, for everybody. I want to try it now. Um, how do you feel after you're done? Um, I feel, I mean, depending on how deep I went, but I feel uh, hope. I feel courage. I feel um, alignment. I feel, uh, you know, like I think a part of me, because everyone has this part of themselves where they don't believe they can, you know, and so we stay away from our dreams because we don't think we can. And so it gives me the courage to, you know, say yes or say no or to, you know, get up earlier or it, it gives me um, a kind of a, a motivation with claws. Yes, yes, yeah. I love that you're describing the outcomes here. And so guys, you know, this is what we teach in the Catalyst Intensive and so much of this is the work of coaching that John and I both live, you know, day in and day out. And it's also what we bring to clients and it's also what we bring to the coaches that we train. We start with the future vision. What do you want your life to look like? And now is a really great time to be asking everybody in your life, what is your life going to look like 10 years from now? Yeah. And if you notice, as Noelle uh, was asking me these questions, she was actually coaching me. So you just saw a really, uh, uh, you know, slice of, of what coaching looks like. And I think a lot of people think coaching is this mysterious, uh, ambiguous kind of thing that's way out there. And it's just it's conversational. It's exactly what we're doing right now. It is. And it's it's a beautiful discipline um, and it's brings hope. To, to everybody. I think hope is the real purpose of coaching because you're pushing on those positive interventions. You're pushing on your individual strengths, your purpose, and then you're crafting a future vision that you're going to use as motivation to push out into the world in the way that you want to. I believe the first domino is the heaviest, and uh, I encourage uh, you guys to let 2020 
be the year that you push the first domino. I'm so excited for the new. I'm, you know, I'm really dorky right now. I am so excited for the entire decade. Man, I, I love because uh, excitement's contagious, and uh, I love hearing this first thing in the morning. This is great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, think <laughs> like looking at the last ten years. It it happened. It was like shock and awe, and I yeah. didn't have a lot of intention around it. And so now that I am older and wiser and a hell of a lot more dangerous, I'm turning on this new decade with my eyes um, nice and green and open wide and saying, come at me. I love it. I love act breaks more than chapters. And what I what I smell you saying or what I hear you saying is uh, there's an act break coming, you know. The, the last the last decade is over and now there's a, a new uh, act break and that's always more exciting all right guys be well thank you for listening and uh, try to incorporate some positive psychology into your life ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach snag John and Noel's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything that's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited, and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.